Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, thanks for tuning into the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And this is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. And each week we bring you an in-depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian. Uh, we talk to artists, we talk to musicians, craftspeople, as well as people who help promote the arts in their community. Like many other shows on MPB, we are working remotely. So we are in the, uh, like Bill Ellison on Grassroots has the Bluegrass Cabin. I guess we're in the, the Arts Hour Bunker and we're talking by a webinar, by Zoom webinar today with Tom Booth up in Tupelo, Mississippi. Tom is with the Tupelo Community Theater. He's the executive director of TCT. Tom, welcome. Hey, so glad to be with you this morning. We're doing really well. We're very fortunate here, uh, you know, concerned about everything that's going on and looking for all the answers that everybody's looking for, but making plans for the future. Well, in a little bit, we'll talk kind of about where where the theater is right now, how you're trying to move forward without, you know, actually having productions because of because of the pandemic. But first, I think for people outside, of course, people in Tupelo know uh, TCT very well. It's, it's a long established uh, institution in the community. But why don't you just give us a quick overview for folks in other parts of the state about about a little bit about the history of theater and what you do there in Tupelo? Well, Tupelo Community Theater was founded in 1969. The high school uh, here in Tupelo had a very strong theater program back then. And uh, in fact, they were inviting community members to be in some of their productions. So it became apparent that there was interest. So 16 hearty souls, as we describe them, came together and started discussing how this might happen. So like most theater groups at that time, they were a gypsy troupe. They founded themselves in 1969. And the first year they had one production and that was Laura. And, uh, you know, I actually had one of our board members tell me as we were preparing, I think for our 35th anniversary, that the production was not the greatest production in the world. Uh, a lot of honesty there, but it was a start for the theater. And uh, then the next year they had two productions and the organization has just grown. Um, as they uh, moved forward, I think in the mid seventies, for the first time they were able to move into a permanent home uh, they couldn't afford to buy yet, but they found an old church and they converted it. Uh, before then, they were just, uh, like I said, a gypsy troupe going from place to place. Uh, they did performances in churches, in the courthouse, in the old community center at the fairgrounds. So this uh, church gave them resources uh, that they'd never had before. They could start to build assets and then... Uh, a few years later, in the mid-80s, the Lyric, which had been converted to a movie theater, came on the market, and uh, TCT was able to purchase the Lyric, and it's been our home since 1984. 
Well, tell about your own journey to TCT. How long have you been involved with, with the theater and how long as the executive director? Well, I think I have to start back with my beginning in theater because I have no background in theater whatsoever. I never did theater in um, high school. I, I did get invited to come audition for a show my senior year. And I was so um, ignorant, as you might say, of how theater worked that I think I read the stage instructions when I auditioned. Uh, let's just say I didn't get a role and it really wasn't on my agenda. I literally went to that audition because a friend asked me to go. And so I didn't get involved in theater until after I graduated from college. I was living in my hometown of Amory, Mississippi, and they started their first community theater. And again, a friend asked me to go audition. I wasn't overly excited about going, but I ended up going and uh, I got a role. And I knew nothing. And I really um, found out how much I enjoyed the experience. And then when we had our first audience, it was a uh, comedy and uh, we, we really had a good support from the community. And when they laughed and when they applauded, I think I was hooked. So I was involved there for many years. I moved around, left Amory, was involved in uh, theaters and other towns that I lived in, and then eventually moved back to North Mississippi and uh, I was working in the furniture industry as an accountant uh, in Pontotoc County and kept seeing auditions for Tupelo Community Theater. Eventually decided to come to an audition and uh, was cast in a very small role. And so for 10 years, I was just an actor and director volunteer here at the theater with no intention of ever working in the theater. And just like what we have going on now, life circumstances change. My company I was working for was bought out and eventually was downsized. And TCT was looking for an executive director. And 18 years ago, I interviewed for that job. And as they say, here we are today. Well, that just shows that you can't you can't keep a door. You have to look at all those open doors, right? I mean, I can't imagine you ever thought that you would end up being the executive director of a community theater when you started in your career. No, and and you know, honestly, I had to make a lot of um, salary adjustments because coming this this was the first full time position for TCT. Uh, they had never had an executive director before. They had had a part-time business manager for 16 years who had done a great job, but they wanted someone to come in to really run the business. And having someone full-time for the last 18 years, we've been able to do some things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So I was fortunate. I hope the organization feels like it was fortunate. Uh, and it's it's been great for me. I cannot imagine today my life without these last 18 years. You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're talking via Zoom uh, with Tom Booth. He's the executive director of Tupelo Community Theater in Tupelo. One of the real distinctive, th many distinctive things about TCT, but one of them is your your beautiful historic theater that you have. Um, uh, it's a 
is it's a historic property, I would assume. It's and it's like early twentieth century theater. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we are we are so fortunate to own this building. I try to explain to people here in Tupelo that not all community theater exists like this. I know so many that are struggling right now because they rent spaces or they share spaces and they just don't know what's going to happen for the future. But uh, the Lyric was built in 1912 as the Comus. That was the original name of it. And it was built uh, more for vaudeville type theater, traveling shows that would come through. Uh, Very little original productions were done here at that time. But from 1912 until 1931, uh, TCT, or or the Lyric, excuse me, served as a vaudeville house. And much like what we're going through now, there were really tough times in the late 20s and early 30s with the Depression. So the decision was made to convert the Lyric into a movie theater. Now, the wonderful news about that is they didn't really do anything to damage the wonderful acoustics in the theater. They, um, you know, brought in a movie screen and a projector, uh, but otherwise everything pretty much stayed the same. So from 1931 to 1984, uh, the Lyric was a movie theater. Uh, We've got lots of pictures of all the years. The building, originally did not have a marquee on it and then it had a small marquee and that then more of the marquee and neon like people know today but most people who grew up in, around Tupelo at that time saw movies here uh, this was actually the home of the lyric movie chain and uh, they were here until they moved into their first twin theater uh, in Tupelo when they moved out of course the building was empty when the TCT board at that time started looking at the possibility, they wanted $100,000 for the Lyric. And I think the Lyric organization had about three or $4,000. So of course there were many, many people that said, we just can't do it. It's just impossible. But because of great strong leadership on that board and great strong community support, they were able to buy the building. And I am so pleased to say that we own this building, that we're debt free. And that $100,000 investment has turned into a building that's worth two and a half to $3 million today. Now, again, who's going to buy a building that's a theater except someone that has use for it? But we're so pleased that we were able to preserve it. And one of the things that I think is really true is that this very well could be a parking lot today if we had not come along and had the need for it. Well, you have, y'all have done significant work in this, in this building over the years in terms of modernizing it and, and making it more of a, a modern theatrical building, right? I mean, in terms of just investment and upkeep. Yes, we put several million dollars into the building. And I have to say, thanks to the Mississippi Arts Commission for the Building Fund for the Arts program that was happening a few years ago. We really, I think we ended up maybe with five of those grants totaling, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars. 
and we were able to do everything from refurbish the seating to put a new super uh, steel superstructure over the stage and a modern flyloft and reworking the marquee. We did so many projects thanks to the Building Fund for the Arts program. So we've done multiple capital campaigns through the year. And interestingly enough, with this being our 50th season, we were thinking about doing a capital campaign uh, and announcing at the end of this 50th. Now, with everything going on, we're super sensitive, you know, to what the community can do. But I will say that the North Mississippi arts patrons are amazing. But uh, the Lyric is a treasure, and we're very fortunate to have it. And I just say for folks who are visiting Tupelo, even if you don't have time to go to a production of TCT, you should go by the building because it's a really just, you know, like almost a... if you were going to cast an old '40s movie theater for a, a you know, a movie, a, 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 you know, a Hollywood movie, the the Lyric Theater would fit right in. It's a very, it's a just a beautiful facade. It it was featured on one of the Governor's Arts Awards posters uh, several years back. So it's it, it's a really uh, really beautiful uh, historic building. We we again are so fortunate, and we love to show off our building. Although we don't have official regularly scheduled tours. I find people standing out front all the time, looking especially a lot of our foreign visitors uh, who come to Tupelo for Elvis events and other events. And uh, if we have time, we take them on a quick tour. We love to uh, tell the stories about Elvis attending movies here when he was a child and how the building was used in 1936 for uh, the tornado that killed over 200 people here in Tupelo. It was used as a hospital and morgue. So there is so much amazing history here. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today via Zoom is Tom Booth. He's the executive director of Tupelo Community Theater. So, Tom, running a community theater is is a, I'm sure, a very, um, you get a lot from it, but it's also a very involved thing uh, because of all the w- working parts and so I'm just interested to hear about kind of the the community, the bigger community of Tupelo Community Theater. Uh, you know, who's involved and, 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 and talk about kind of just the the, the wider community support and, uh, you know, infrastructure of TCT. Well, I find it interesting that you use the word wider because when I think about Tupelo Community Theater now, one of the things I think about is the fact that we really are so much more than Tupelo Community Theater. We have turned in 
to a regional theater because the opportunities that we offer here for theater experiences for our actors, our directors, our patrons, they're not gonna have many opportunities for some of these type shows in smaller communities because I came out of a smaller theater. There is no way we could have ever produced Les Mis. And when we do a show like Les Mis or Mamma Mia or Hairspray, the big musicals, we have people, volunteer actors, technicians, directors, who make the commitment to make an hour drive. We have people from Calhoun County, from the Oxford area, from uh, Western Alabama, Corinth, really literally within about an hour's drive of Tupelo that come and audition and participate because unless they go to a professional theater in Memphis or Jackson, they may not have that opportunity. So we're very proud of that. And I will say that a few years ago when we were talking about doing Les Mis, one of the things that you hear is, guys, we can't do Les Mis. Les Mis is too big. And I, I know I won't get the name right, and I'm sure you know this theater group that produces out of the small theater in Sardis. Uh, there, there's a very small theater group. Uh, Panola that, Playhouse. Thank you, thank you. And I, I should have known that myself. But a, a fellow actor and myself went to see them produce Les Mis in that tiny theater with canned music. And we walked out of that theater and said, of course we can do it. I mean, I came out of that show totally satisfied, you know, because they had a great production with limited space, with canned music. It was still great. I mean, if you do good work, it's kind of like the old saying from the um, movies, the Judy Garland, uh, Mickey Rooney movies, hey, let's get a barn and put on a show. If you do good quality work, people don't care. So we came back and really voiced our opinion that we should do that. And we're so glad we did. That was a record setting show for us and brought in people from all over the country, not only to act, but to see the show. And that just helps us grow and helps our name get out and more people become aware. And then I'm happy to say that this year, when we opened our 50th season with Mamma Mia, that was another record setting show. And we had people not just from Tupelo participating. That's what we want to be. You, you can't be everything to everyone, but we want to offer as many opportunities as we can. And thankful for those kind of big shows. This year, our 50th season was record setting as far as season ticket sales because people bought season tickets that hadn't bought them before because they wanted to assure themselves that they had a ticket for a show like Mamma Mia or the show we're working on now, Spamalot. And hard to believe Mamma Mia ended up beating the ticket sales for Les Mis. I mean, new record set. So we continue to try to grow in every way possible. I also would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention that six years ago, we added a second space, a black box space called TCT Off-Broadway. 
It's literally an old storefront that also has warehouse space that we store all our props and uh, set pieces and things. And we have done over those six years, we've done, and I may be getting this wrong, but we've done at least three shows that have won the Mississippi Theater Association Festival and have gone on to win. Some of those have won at SETC. And we had one of those shows that went on to the national competition. So that space, which only seats 100 people, gives us the opportunity to do shows that really don't fit in our 500 seat space. They could be edgier or they could just be shows that don't have the appeal that some of the bigger shows have. Uh, this year, for example, we did a show called Night Mother, Pulitzer Prize winning show over there. I'm proud to say that I directed it and that it won at MTA at the festival, but it was very poorly attended. Although it was an amazing show and a great experience, it was a show that dealt with suicide. And a lot of people just do not want to have that theater experience. You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And we're talking via Zoom a webinar call today with Tom Booth. He's the executive director of Tupelo Community Theater. So you were talking kind of about, you know, you have these really big shows and then maybe shows that are more artistically satisfying but less well attended. How does the theater come up with your season? How do you develop a season, you know, like are you planning right now and and what's the process like? Yes, well, of course, we have a committee that explores opportunities. We seek advice from the community. We're always throwing out a social media and email blast that we want people to let us know what they would like to see. And then we have to figure out two things. What do our patrons want to see and what do our actors and directors want to do? Because you need to have an audience, again, like the show I described, doesn't have to be a huge audience. Fortunately, that show still made money because it was a low expense show. We didn't lose money on it. But we also need big shows that are going to bring the masses in. What we describe as the door ticket or the walk-up customer. People that are only going to come to two or three shows a year that are not going to buy season tickets. But when something like Mama Mia or Spamalot or Les Mis is on the schedule, they're going to come see it. So um, we work with our committee, which... Uh, has members of the board and also members of the community as well. And I obviously have some input in that. And we, we try to see a lot of shows. Uh, I'm fortunate that I go to New York pretty often. Again, I was talking about the professional theaters. I go to Memphis and Jackson often. I see a lot of community theaters. I see a lot of shows at festivals. And I come back and make recommendations about shows that I think would be successful and be supported uh, by our community. So we make that decision. And in fact, in March at our last show, we announced our 51st season that will is supposed to start in August. And we're hoping that we do not have to get off schedule, but if we have to adjust dates, we will. In fact, we've not announced the dates yet. We've only announced the shows for next year. So, you know, we're, we've got some exciting new shows. Uh, 
some old standards. Uh, we're going to be starting the season with Little Shop of Horrors, uh, which we've never done, uh, which is amazing. It's a standard small musical. Then in December, uh, we're going to do Elf the Musical. We're going to do Arsenic and Old Lace in the early uh, or late, late winter. We're going to do Something Rotten for our spring musical. And uh, this is the first time we've done three musicals in one year at the Lyric. And so we're excited about that opportunity as well. So it really is a community uh, decision, but trying to figure out again what people want to see and what people want to do. Throughout our discussion, you've been mentioning the different uh, theater organizations like Mississippi Theater Association, the Southeast Theater Conference, and I think there's a, 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 a national association of community theaters. Is that right? Talk a little bit yeah. about how those organizations help you do your work and how and, you know the, the, the importance of kind of connecting with other community and professional theaters. Yeah, I have to say that one of the best things TCT ever did was get involved in um, the Mississippi Theater Association. I've been fortunate enough to serve as president of that organization. And in fact, I'm back on the board again, serving as their treasurer right now. But the real benefit is talking to all the other groups, networking with them. Uh, at festival time, which our festival is in January, is coming together to see other quality productions from our sister theaters around the state. I will have to say this, that in 1992, when I came to TCT and auditioned for a show, we did Eudora Welty's The Ponder Heart. And again, as I mentioned, I got very small role in that, was thrilled to have that, but we decided to take that show to the Mississippi Theater Association Festival. Uh, we were in Greenville that year for the festival. And this, this is a huge show with a big cast and a big set. And we took that show over there and spent a lot of money to put people in hotels and to take a truck over there. And we walked away from that festival with nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean no awards, no recognition, but it was the start for us. A few years later, we took another great show called Shadowlands, actually back to Greenville again, to Delta Center Stages uh, space. And that year we won, we didn't win the festival, but we won multiple awards. I think we won Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, uh, All-Star Cast. We, we really made some headway. And so we were learning. We were seeing other quality theater productions. And then in 2001, for the first time, TCT actually won the MTA Festival. When you win the state festival, that gives you the opportunity to go on to a regional festival. I had never been. Our group is the Southeastern Theater Conference. And so we took our show, The Beauty Queen of Lenon, to Jacksonville, Florida. And again, a great learning experience. We walked away from that week with no awards, but we learned so much and we saw such great theater. I will tell you that that year, The Beauty Queen of Lenon, which is an Irish play, was the hot play of the year. 
And at the, the Southeastern Theater Conferences is made up of the 10 Southeastern states. And that year at that festival, there were three productions of the Beauty Queen of Lanad, Mississippi, Tennessee, and North Carolina. North Carolina did act one, Tennessee did act two. We did a cutting of the whole show. North Carolina won, they had a great production. But again, we're learning. And uh, we continue to participate and be involved. Uh, not only myself, but we've had several other people from our theater that have served in leadership positions on the state and regional and national organizations. The national organization is the American Association of Community Theaters. And very fortunately for TCT, uh, we have two people from Tupelo currently serving on that national board, both myself and Lynn Nelson. Lynn represents the Southeastern Theater Conference as their rep, and I went on the board last year as a board member. So to have that kind of representation on that national board, both from Tupelo, Mississippi, we're extremely fortunate. And again, we learn, we learn, we see quality production. We learn what not to do sometimes. So we're just very fortunate. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today our guest via Zoom webinar is Tom Booth, who is the executive director of the Tupelo Community Theater. So, Tom, you uh, your, your shows are suspended right now, uh, you know, with, with all that's going wrong with the pandemic, but you guys are continuing to try to do some work and, and trying to, like everybody else, try to adapt. And so it was really interesting to hear, you know, a theater group, which is a very intimate experience, a very physical experience, hearing about kind of how you guys are trying to move forward with stuff. So talk a little bit about where you're at and what you're trying to do now. Sure. We were currently in um, rehearsal for Spamalot, uh, Monty Python's Spamalot, which was uh, supposed to be this weekend, I guess. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, that usually, that slot usually ends our season. And we were about three or four weeks into rehearsal for that when we decided to suspend uh, the show rehearsals. Obviously, safety is very important to us, as it should be with everyone. You know, we've got a lot of people grieving that they're not here doing what they love. So we, um, we set up some continued rehearsals via Zoom. Now, Zoom is wonderful, but it's like every technology. It's, it's only as good as our internet is or our data services are. Uh, so there are little glitches, but it's really been a lifesaver. Fortunately for me, I had been exposed to Zoom because of some of the national meetings that we have. We only get together physically twice a year, and the other two meetings are held 
via teleconference like this. So um, we set up and what we started trying to do in the beginning was just running lines. And in fact, many of us, like I'm in the show, but I'm just in the chorus. Uh, I play several roles, but I don't have any lines. So, you know, everybody was invited to be there, but just the people that needed to run the lines were required to be at the first Zoom rehearsals. And we started with just like one a week. This week is the first week that we're actually on more of a regular rehearsal schedule, which we typically rehearse three or four times a week. So Monday night was a line rehearsal. Tuesday night was our first ever attempt at a music rehearsal. And I will say that is the challenge. But I will say these, these lead and supporting actors did an amazing job. You know, we would just have, we had a, a person, the music director actually couldn't be with us that night. So, but we have another very talented musical person that just kind of plunked out some notes and there was a lot of acapella and everybody else was muted. And the chorus, we just sort of sang to ourselves more about reviewing the lyrics as opposed to the notes, because we do have CDs that we can practice at home uh, by ourselves on. Now tonight is gonna to get very interesting because tonight is our first Zoom choreography rehearsal. <laughs> and now we already have videos of some of the choreography that we'd already done that's on our group Facebook page that people can reference. And I gotta be honest, when I'm in a show like this, I am probably the worst dancer up there. I mean, I know it, everybody that watches me knows it. So videos like that have always been useful to me because I just need to go to my house by myself and just work through it. You know, before I'm in a group, I just need to remember step to the right twice and turn and those kind of things. So uh, the videos are in place, but tonight we're going to try with one of our choreographers to work through something like this. You know what? No matter what we accomplish, the camaraderie of this cast and crew being together, the social aspect of it, and for many people, the social aspect of community theater is what brings them together in the beginning. They're looking for an outlet. They may be very talented. And, and again, the great thing about community theater is you have professional quality actors and singers, and you have people that are on stage for the very first time. Again, I've said it a hundred times today, I think, but we're learning. That's what we're experiencing here. So uh, those have been great. I mean, we are, we're getting through but we can't wait to get back together physically in the building. In fact, I asked that question to the director the other day, is how much more time do you think you need once we can get together? Because we don't wanna rush it. People have had a break. It's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve when we're all back together. So we're, we're just taking it day by day and hope to announce something soon. You're listening to the Arts Hour on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Larry Morrissey, and we're talking via Zoom today with Tom Booth. He's the executive director of Tupelo Community Theater. 
So, Tom, you also, the theater also has a strong uh, focus on kind of youth development and youth training. And so I'd hope you would talk a little bit about your work in that area as well. Sure. We always do workshops. We always do our youth camps in the summer. We do a summer youth production, which is a learning experience as well. We, and we hope that none of those are going to be canceled. We may have to adjust dates a little bit. Our youth production was supposed to be in June. Uh, our camp is supposed to be in July. Again, nothing's been changed at this point, but we may have to adjust. One of the things I want to mention about our camp is we do that for first through eighth graders, the four younger grades in the morning session, the older grades in the afternoon, and that is a paid camp. However, like everything we do here, we don't ever want money to cause people not to be able to participate. So we do offer scholarships. And in fact, I'm sad to say, some years all the scholarships aren't even taken. Some years we're able to offer partial scholarships to the camp if we think a family can afford. Sometimes we just say to the families, uh, if we can't offer them a scholarship, hey, do you wanna do this $10 a month or $10 a week? Because we are very fortunate that we have resources. Again, we own the building. We don't have debt. Uh, we are able to do things like this. Also, I'll go ahead and mention that we offer four scholarships to high school and college students. And I'm afraid by the time this is on the radio, this year's scholarships deadline may have passed, but, but people should think about that. And you do not, for all those scholarships, you do not have to be involved in TCT to receive it. Uh, it just requires you to be from Mississippi for a lot of them. We'll, we'll tell a little bit about maybe the history or the what, what's the thinking behind, because they are specific for uh, high school folks. What, what, and they, you have four separate ones, is that correct? That's correct. Those, those have been done over the years, primarily to honor people. They are small scholarships. They're only $500 each. But one of them is for college students. So it's for a student, someone that's already in college, that's pursuing. And it's not strictly uh, theater majors. Uh, there are offshoots from that. And all that information's on our website, including the form to apply for that at tct.ms. Uh, of course, they can always contact us here and, and get more information. But, you know, we have one of those scholarships that honors one of our um, uh, former board members who's passed away that was more of an artist. So it lends itself more to the art element. Uh, we do have one scholarship that's strictly limited to students that were, were and have been involved here at TCT in some capacity. Uh, and then the others are just uh, for students, again, from anywhere across Mississippi, as long as they're in one of the subject uh, pursuing, you know, one of the areas of interest. And again, that's all on our uh, website. Uh, one of the things that I failed to mention in talking about education and workshops is that because we can't all get together right now, we're offering opportunities for acting and directing workshops for both adults and students. We've just had that sign up period and we are starting that. 
I've had the original contact. The youth group is small. I think we only have six in that group, but we have about 20 adults. And what they'll be doing is we'll be meeting on Zoom, but uh, I've already given them a little short monologues and they will be presenting the monologues via Zoom. I will give input back and the people that are working on the directing portion of it will also be giving input. However, that input will be funneled back through me because uh, directing is an interesting job. I don't know if you know this about actors, but a lot of their egos are very fragile. Uh, no one likes to be criticized. And unfortunately, and I say this when I direct all the time, unfortunately, a director doesn't have time to say all the wonderful things you're doing. Many times what they have to concentrate on is what we need to correct or how we might improve your performance or blocking issues or things like that. So the uh, directing students will be submitting their ideas of how the actors can improve their performance. And I'll be filtering those and going back to the, act, uh, to the directing students and saying, you might want to think about it from this angle or saying it this way. And so we're, we're really excited to get that started. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not sure why we wouldn't offer this opportunity even in the future. It doesn't mean that we couldn't ever get together, but this might be a good way to do workshops to just get the um, informational portion of what we're discussing, the, the lecture, if you have it. Uh, so we're we're looking forward to this. That's very exciting for us. Since you're you're very involved in kind of community theater at the state and national level, I'm just curious. And and you're going to other people's shows and seeing that. What are what are some trends or things that are coming up at the community theater level in term in terms of types of shows or way people interpret classic works? I'm just curious about kind of the the uh, the new the new stuff that's happening in in your world. Well, I will say that one of the things that the royalty companies have done for us um, in the community theater division is get some of the um, more popular, newer, bigger shows to us quicker. Now, you know, one of the things we hear all the time is, when are you guys going to do Wicked? Well, Wicked, it's not going to be available to community theater for a long time. It's been on Broadway selling out for 13 years. That show, when shows are still selling out on Broadway, they don't usually move on. They, they're still making a lot of money there. Next season, our show that will end the year is a show that was nominated for 10 Tony Awards called Something Rotten. Just one of the best shows I've ever seen. In fact, it's one of the only shows I've ever seen on Broadway they got a standing ovation at the end of act one. It's just funny. And it deals with the story of Shakespeare with a very modern twist. And uh, Shakespeare is basically a rock star. And these two brothers have come along and they're trying to get into the musical game. And as they say, hilarity ensues. But that show hasn't been gone from Broadway that long, but we have the opportunity to do it next year. Another thing I might say is that sometimes, although we do classics all the time, like we did of Mice and Men this year, sometimes the classics do not perform as well as we would like them to because people have seen it and they don't think they need to see it again. 
of Mice and Men this year did fine, but you know, it wasn't a record setter. Uh, so, you know, how do we come up with shows that are in that class? We don't necessarily want to take that show to our small space because it's a bigger show than that, as the big set and needs a bigger stage. But, you know, again, one of the learning things for me has been uh, seeing original productions at the state, regional, and national levels. Uh, a show that we brought to our theater a few years ago was something that I had never seen before, never heard of before, and I saw it at a festival. And then we bring it here and it's very successful. I will say that we have to be fairly commercial with our season. Doesn't mean that you can't put one show on there two or two shows on there that you take a little more of a chance with, but you've got to have those mainstays on there that people will buy our season package for and that people will want to buy those door tickets and come to the show. Again, our off-Broadway space has given us a lot of freedom to do those lesser known shows. So Tom, we're up against the, the clock here, but, um, Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, next time, let's do it. Let's do it at the studio, of course. But for people that want to learn more about Tupelo Community Theater, point them into to find out that information. Sure. Well, there's multiple ways to get in touch with us. You can always go to our website at tct.ms. We have a strong social media presence on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have email blast. Uh, you can find all our contact information on our website or just give me a call at 662-844-1935. We would love to have you involved in any capacity. And again, there are so many ways to be involved. It's not always on stage. So if you have an interest, please contact us. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org.